Welcome, friends, to another episode of the Chicagoland Yoga Teachers Podcast. My name is Paul Fowler, and today I speak with my very dear friend, Debbie Bazil. Uh, she is the founder of the band, the Kirtan band, Debbie 2000. Uh, they've just released their newest album called Planet Love Volume 1, and it's, it's really an amazing work of art featuring uh, musical styles from around the world. We talk about this album. And, and just all the different types of uh, world music influences it has. Um, we also talk about just kirtan music in general. We learn about it. We learn about the harmonium, which is that uh, droning instrument that gives you know, modern kirtan its feel. So we also talk about her activism, the larger kirtan community. She, uh, we also talk about how yoga and the yoga community supported her during a year-long sickness uh, with cancer that, while she was raising uh, two kids, uh, and so much more. Uh, so I really enjoyed this conversation. I know you will, too. So without further ado, here's Debbie. Debbie Bazil, welcome to the Chicagoland Yoga Teachers Podcast. Thank you so much, Paul. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's super exciting to talk to you. I've known you for a long time. I've heard your music for a long time, and uh, I just can't wait to dive into uh, into your life and into the music. Devi Two Thousand is the name of the uh, musical collective, I guess you would say that uh, you're you started in nineteen ninety nine or two thousand somewhere in there, and. Tell us a little bit about, I know a lot of people have heard the name, heard your music. Tell us a little bit about Devi 2000. Well, Devi 2000 is a project um, that started when started chanting and wanting to build a bigger chant scene and include more, um, more musicians besides just a harmonium and a voice. I was doing the harmonium and voice. So we started creating um, a group called Divi 2000. We work as a collective. It seems to be a big rotating cast of characters throughout the years um, of Chicago-based yogis and musicians. Yeah, and we've done things with the band could be two people or the band could be 12 people on any given day. And, and is it, is it, um, so when you started, you started very simply with just a few people, right. In, uh, through the, like maybe performing at Moksha yoga. And then, um, so how, how did, what was the evolution like as far as collecting people and, and starting to put out music as far as doing live. And then obviously you have some CDs um, that you've put out, I think three or four CDs right now. What's that journey like? What's it been like? Uh, it was so cool. We started a long time ago at Moksha. Uh, the first kirtan we did was me and Amy Beth and then like three people like standing there, not really knowing what to do. <laughs> Uh, Darren from Moksha Yoga, Darren Friesen invited us back. We sat in a circle and everyone in the circle said their name and why they were there. So I'd be like, my name's Debbie Bazil and I like to chant. <laughs> we would just 
go around in a circle and I feel like we built a scene where people, you know, the circle was whatever, 10 or 15 people. Then the next time it was 20 or 25 people. And we were introducing the yogis to the power of these mantras that were um, being manifest in, in a Western way because we were not practicing Hindus and we did not have the Hindustani background of a traditional kirtan. Um, it was a really beautiful process. And then kirtan became more and more familiar to people and more and more people started chanting and a lot of traveling groups would come through and we'd fill the house with people. Uh, the Devi 2000 Collective has been the backup band for so many of the traveling kirtan people, which has been really, really a blessing also. But we started with a few people and then we just exponentially kept growing. So we had a really big band because when you're doing kirtan, everybody's in the band. So, so now what was your uh, introduction to kirtan and, you know, devotional music from, you know, tell us a little bit about like the, the history, the lineage, and then how you connected to that history and lineage of this particular form of bhakti yoga. When I was in high school, my mother had a friend, Sharon Stephenson, who was part of the Kriya Yoga Temple, and they had cassette tapes of kirtan chanting. And my mother practiced, you know, meditation and chanting. And when I was in high school, kids used to say, hey, you want to go over to Debbie's house and go in the basement and chant with her mom? (laughs) with your mom and I'd be like okay let's go so we'd sit in the basement and chant and that was really weird to me and you know just like a touchstone and then later on I ended up working as a professional musician Um, I started to study and do my teacher training through Shivananda yoga Mm -hmm. and they have a tradition of chanting and I I loved it and I loved it so much. And what I was learning was so profound and so beautiful. And I wanted more because I was a musician and I heard things and the way the traditional uh, Shivananda lineage was doing it was, you know, there wasn't harmony. There wasn't really different rhythms and I was hearing different things. So after putting in some time with Shivananda, which I still, you know, attend and still love, I felt like I, I needed to be more free. And I was hearing things in my head and I didn't know if I was going to get in trouble, like through the organization. So I started to call people and say, hey, can I, can I do this? Can I put these mantras together? Yeah, so it turned into a, like a real outlet for my own creativity. That's that's a good question, like about kirtan music. I always wonder about that. Like, how much of these chants are kind of locked in, whether it's melody wise or lyric wise or structure wise, and how much freedom does a band like yours have 
to change those structures or those melodies or those words? I do not know that I'm qualified to answer that, but I will. Um, those were questions that I had. And I was talking, I would call this guy a lot, uh, probably in the late 90s. His name is Keshav Das. He sells harmoniums and he's got a beautiful company that was the first people to bring in like really good Indian instruments because all that access was really tough. I used to call, I'm sure I bugged him so much, but he said, you know, with the Krishna chants, just don't play an F sharp. You could do anything you want. Don't play an F sharp. Krishna's <laughs> happy. That's like the saddest note of the scale. Just don't play the F sharp. You know? I thought the D minor was okay. <laughs> I think you could get a little D minor, but the F sharp uh, walks out. Good to know. Uh, that was the guidance that I got. So I, I think it's a combination of where your heart lies and your intention along with best practice of coming from a place that you are um, that you are familiar with, that you have been educated in. Yeah. Is Now, is there like a particular person or like, are there specific lineages that come from specific, like are, are filtered through specific people or are they, mm, how do I say, like larger just general senses of this is the big picture of bhakti yoga of kirtan music uh, that comes from Indian tradition and kind of morphs in Western tradition. Does that make, does that question make any sense at all? Well, kind of, I mean, I kind of feel like I, I get what you're saying. There's definitely um, devotional practices unique to each thread that you're diving into. So for myself, you know, I spent many, many years with Shivananda, very specific chants, very specific chant style. Um, and then I'm also a devotee of Amma, the hugging saint, uh, which her chants are in a different language, Malayalam, the language of, you know, Kerala or South, um, Southwest India, another very specific protocol. The chants that I like to share and sing myself are almost like the preschool of chants. <laughs> They're very simple, very repetitive, very um, easy for people to learn, like a commonality. So I think that would be like maybe the big umbrella of devotional music that would be recognizable uh, along all those paths. Got it. With a Western bent, because I um, I did have a guru. His name was Patrick Marks. I miss him very much. Mm. He um, he was a wonderful teacher in the classical system of music. So I also have that background, but it's not inherent within me. I feel like I'm more representative of like a when I explain it to people like when they say what is this what are you doing it's more along the lines of the Beatles who were chanting Hare Krishna or Bob Marley doing upliftment music yeah I mean even from the beginning like your second I think it was your second album basically took the some of the chants from the first album tell me if I'm right about this that it took some of the chants from your first album which was pretty maybe the standard like basic chants right like 
really beautifully well-produced, you know, uh, first album, which is actually beautiful. It was called, what was that one called? Devotional. Devotional, right, right, right. And then, then you did like a bunch of like remixes, Preston Click and, and a bunch of folks d- took, I think, some of those songs and, and, and created larger soundscapes and, and uh, maybe um, more electronic dance versions of the song. I think in the title of the, of the CD is, uh, is there where the word dance is in there somewhere. <laughs> prepare your soul to dance prepare yourself to dance <laughs> your soul prepare your soul to dance okay right 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 and so that's really like right from the beginning it seems like you were like okay here's this basic this this music and then here's what we're going to do with it we're going to do something different with it we're going to turn it into something that is i don't know maybe more like connected to your your heart in some way I felt like I really, I love to dance and I felt like I really wanted, if I went to a disco, which I don't, I don't even know if there's discos or what you would call it, but I would want to dance or to an ecstatic dance, which started now. I want to hear uplifting music. And I felt like this was really an offering to uplift the dance floor and uplift, you know, yoga practice in a different way that is easy to connect to through the remixes. Mm-hmm. Good good point paul yeah really yeah. it's really cool man so now after moving moving right kind of to the present here where you put out recently planet love part 1 with a beautiful picture by your son i think when he was like how old like 3 years old or 4 years old or something on the cover <laughs> something um, and and it's really it's a very, it's a big departure where you have funk and soul and ballads and um, monks chanting uh, and um, so many, so many different styles of reggae. And I heard Middle Eastern kind of styles in there. I mean, it's like this huge hot, this, this international potpourri of musical stylings, super, super amazing. So tell, tell us a little bit about that this this current project that you just i guess fairly recently released yeah june 2020 so like a month ago wow okay once again you know i wanted to express creatively who i am and that goes outside musically and which has gone outside the boundaries of just the mantra chanting and just the kirtan it feels like in a former life, I studied Afro-Brazilian percussion. I've studied Afro-Cuban rhythms. I worked as a, um, as a percussionist and backup singer for a bunch of different uh, projects. Marvin Tate's Settlement and uh, Afro-Brazilian group Maluka Samba and all those. In, and I've studied um, in India and I've studied with my guru, another teacher that I went to India with is Russell Paul, who I learned a lot about the Mantras and chanting and planet love is sort of the um, the collision of all those inputs into my life, and I, I feel so blessed to to be able to share, you know, all these things that have been so meaningful to me, and in sort of a hodgepodge that has an actual arc. It feels to me like it has a beginning, a middle, and a 
resolution. And you're absolutely right. There's Tibetan monks, there's a little reggae, <laughs> there's some, um, you know, singer, songwriter type mm-hmm. a prayer. Uh, may you never, may you ever, may you never. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a duet, isn't it? With, uh, with somebody. That's the duet with my producer, Jim Tulio, ah. who is a great guy. He's an, and who I work very hard with on the project. And um, him and I sang that song. The song's written by someone named John Martin, who sort of is an epic, I think, English-Irish songwriter. And and you said uh, you said you worked with uh, with the monks there doing the kind of like is that throat singing like sort of thing? What is, what is that? Tell, tell us about that. Um, they came into the studio, into Jim's studio. It's, you know, they're like performative prayers include this, you know, this throat singing. So I, I'm not sure how they do it. <laughs> it's quite, quite moving. Yeah, so those were the Tibetan monks from the Drepung Gomang Monastery in South India. And they, they were just traveling through Chicago? They come to bring awareness to the Buddhist practices and bring awareness to their monastery, which is the, um, the winter home for the Dalai Lama, and to bring awareness to the, the situation of Tibetans who have had to leave Tibet to practice their Buddhism. And Devi 2000 has been affiliated with the monks since, gosh, for 17 years, doing concerts with them uh, on nights of sacred music, sort of these, um, you know, inter, these beautiful programs where you might have Sikh singers, the Tibetan monks, Devi 2000 was always a part, which was such, uh, you know, feeling so grateful to be considered for these programs. Anyways, working with the monks for so long, I became closer and closer with them. And then they started to um, say, well, can the monks stay at your house when they do the programs? Can you plan the program? So I've I've planned uh, day camps for kids where the monks will teach kids and make art projects and do yoga with the monks and the kids and, um, these uh, musical programs and cooking classes. And it's really been a wonderful learning curve for, um, for me and my community. It's a real blessing. Hang out with the monks. And so the, the, the monks have stayed at your, your place, is that? Uh, the monks have stayed at my place. Yeah, the, they were here not this past October, but the October before. I would say for four or five years, the monks will come and stay at my house and they're so sweet and they cook for me and my kids and they clean up after themselves and help us clean up and uh, do pujas and prayers in the house and really and have a lot of fun. As somber as they sound on the recording, Mm -hmm. they're like the first to break into a giggle or a laugh. Yeah, super lighthearted, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Put things in perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's beautiful. How fortunate. I mean, you've, you're also working with a group called Moms Demand Action. Is that correct? Yes. Um, I've, I've volunteered for them, um, you know, at a very small level 
do what I could do um, throughout the years. Um, there are gun, better gun laws advocacy program founded after like the Sandy Hook shooting. And I feel very strongly that this country, I am purely anti-gun, but their platform is better gun laws as a place to start. And um, one of the songs on Planet Love is um, called Bhagavad Gita Baby. And I'm like a middle-aged mom, but, and I have no shame because I do a mom rap on that song. <laughs> I, I know, right? But the, the words are, I am a mother. I have some children. I teach my children rights. Guns and things are the weapons of the weak, and peace is the weapon of the strong. So be strong. Be strong, little children. Be strong. Be strong. Yeah. So I feel very strongly uh, about activism. And this is one place that I could put my efforts in. So last month, when I the first single I released from Planet Love was uh, Bhagavad Gita Baby. And anybody who bought the song, which the song's out there free, you know, I want the music to be available for anyone. But all that money was donated to the Moms Demand Action Group. It was oh. over 500, over 500 bucks. Nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and that's something that people can, I mean, is there a place where people can download that and pay for it and help support that group? Yeah, it's, um, it's at bandcamp.com. And for that song, it's Bhagavad Gita, baby. Okay, good. It's there. <laughs> Go buy that song. It's an awesome song. It's worth it just for the song, let alone to, uh, <laughs> to support uh, a good cause. <laughs> Mom rap and all. Mom rap, yes. That's very... Uh, <laughs> you've used music and that sort of thing as part of your, obviously, I mean, it's just part of your life, but it's also... Uh, an aspect of your healing journey. So um, uh, about 12 years ago, you had uh, were diagnosed with breast cancer. And I was wondering if you could talk about that, um, how music has helped in your healing. Um, I would say that the music and yoga both um, got me through that journey. I, I had just had my second child. She, she wasn't quite two when I was diagnosed. Uh, with breast cancer, I was overwhelmed. Um, and the steady practice and the steady, um, yeah, the steady practice uh, eased my way through the journey. I, I received so much support and so much help. Um, the chanting was part of my daily practice, you know, being a busy new mom anyhow it was just something you know even if I'm doing dishes I can chant I mean that's part of why I love bhakti yoga so much it just seems pragmatic and practical to me uh, being a householder and the meditation and yoga I went to a weekly Iyengar class with Bob Whittinghill first I was diagnosed with stage three cancer which you know let's just say it that sucks it was later to be, you know, what does that mean? I don't know. Yeah, I went to yoga class with Bob Whittinghill, an Iyengar teacher, every week. And some weeks I got on the floor, I, I couldn't get back up. He would just support me in a, a restorative pose. I would stay there for the class and then go home. 
I'm so grateful to the practice. I'm so grateful to the chance. Elisa Commerce helped me with meditation. Uh, we were still in the midst of um, our 10-year run at Moksha Yoga because we had a monthly residency. And Rich Logan and Steve Emmerman and Kenny Dredd and other Tatiana Sanchez, they like held down the fort because I couldn't show up. <laughs> I was very sick. I was very sick for a year, and I felt really buoyed and supported through these practices. I, I would say even more than that, they were essential for me. I mean, you created you created a like a, a beautiful community around yourself that you probably didn't know you were going to need so much. <laughs> a beautiful community that could function even when I was not there. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that was really great too. I was really happy that, uh, really happy and moved. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, so I'm curious about the harmonium. What, tell us where, what that instrument is for those people that don't really know. And, you know, maybe just a little bit about where it comes from or what you love about it. The harmonium looks like a rectangular box with a a piano keyboard on it and a bellows in the back. It was developed, I've heard different things, by the French or by the English for church music. It was the precursor to the pump organ. So it, you know, it came on like legs and you could pump it and play your hymns and so forth. And then when the British were moving into India, you know, the colonial British brought their stuff and they wanted to do church stuff, but the Indian people were doing their own thing. And they're like, this serves us. We're going to take off the legs. We don't, we're going to sit on the ground and play sort of a hybrid keyboard accordion looking thing because it really suits it suited the Indian um, modality of music. And then when uh, sort of the pump organs and were developed, it was left behind by the European society, but really well used by, um, by Pakistani and Indian cultures for, to serve their music. That's interesting. So in a way, it's a fairly recent development. Yeah, I would say the 1800s in there. Um, there were other instruments that, and and Western people who use harmoniums for their kirtan and stuff often play chords and uh, use it as a drone instrument because it serves that purpose so well. That's basically how I play. Whereas the more traditional way to play the harmonium would be a monomelodic line of music. So not using it for chorus, but going, something like that. So they're also voiced differently in the different cultures as, as Kirtan keeps evolving. So was it, was it more used in that way in India and then when it came here, it became more of a drone instrument or, is it, or was it used both ways? I think when it came here, it was used more as a drone instrument. Mm -hmm. 
I think traditionally it's used as like a, a melodic instrument to follow the singer or to do the response for the singer or to, yeah, in that, that way. Interesting. And has that, has that reflected back into India now and they're using it more as a drone instrument now or is, is there, has that sort of blending taking place? I am not 100% sure about that. I do know that like young people are flocking to Kirtan now, like there is in India. And I know that what little I do know, Krishna Das will sell out a big concert hall, you know, in Mumbai or in India. And he, he plays a chordal, you know, he plays chords on his harmonium. So he's not doing a traditional playing in the, you know, in the motherland over there and so well respected and so well loved for his particular version. Great. Have you ever, have you ever worked with him? I think it was the end of the nineties. One of my good friends was um, friends with his driver in New York and said, let's go to Philadelphia. Krishna Das is doing this thing. And I was like, okay, let's go. And we got in the car and we drove so fast and we couldn't stop talking. He was recording this record called, um, Live on Earth for a limited time only. <laughs> so I feel really, really blessed to have been part of those sessions of his backup singers in Philadelphia. It was a double record set, I think maybe around 2000. Live on Earth for a limited time only. Mm-hmm. So I got to ha- hang out and um, he's super nice. And now if I can, I go to Shivananda. Um, ashram in Bahamas in February. I try to go every couple of years either for his programs because Krishna Das will present there or Russell Paul because Russell Paul also presents there. What do you mean present? Is it when you say his program or how he presents, is it like concerts or is it a learning experience of some sort? They'll, they'll do both. They'll do like evening concerts and daytime uh, teachings. What is the kirtan scene overall in this country? I mean, are there a lot of kirtan bands like running around or is it, is it a, a small group of folks that all know each other or what is that, what's that community like? I think that there's a lot going on that I am not aware of. I would say, you know, I covered and I still do, I write about yoga and music for the Yoga Chicago magazine. So I was like, because I get so excited by music. I love music. And um, for a while, I feel like I did have my finger on the pulse of what was going on. Uh, And the people who traveled, Devi 2000 has supported so many of those people, which is wonderful. And now I feel like there's just, it's like a spark. It's like a spark and a flame. And I'm not quite sure how big it's become. I think it's wonderful. I think the more people doing this, more more power, more positivity, more light in this world. When we chant together, we're, we're putting our feelings, our, our emotions someplace that can handle it. Uh, our gladness, our joy, our despair, our sadness. But I'm definitely a part of the circle of the traveling minstrels. And as much as the Tibetan monks have stayed here, I can be a way station for everyone from David Newman, Dave Stringer, Sean Johnson and the Wild Lotus Band. 
it feels very DIY, which means do it yourself. Like we're going to bring the music and it's, you know, we're not filling whatever United Center. So yeah, stay at my house. It's a nice place. I'll cook some meals for you. And let's, let's go to the yoga center and, and chant together. Lovely. It's, it sounds like there's a really nice spirit of cooperation as opposed to, you know, competition. <laughs> oh, it feels that way. It feels like there's so much love amongst people. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a hard year because of our um, quarantining and so forth. But these Midwest Yoga and Kirtan Festival and the Bhakti Fest that have been here and, and years past Sukhava Bode are just such beautiful ways to bring people together. So really missing that right now. How, how is it going right now in the, in the modern age of the pandemic age of Zoom and everything else? How is that, uh, how is that working for you and for the community? Well, I've um, personally, I've done a couple Zoom kirtans for, um, there was an Uptown Yoga online festival where I'm just on my own. Um, I've participated in other people's online kirtans in the comfort of my own kitchen or whatever. You know, um, Krishna Das does a Thursday night satsang. Different people are uh, popping up on Facebook when you asked if a lot of people are doing it. People I don't even know, I don't even know where they live, are showing up. And so it's really cool and wonderful. Our group is hanging out together via Zoom. And because Zoom, Uh, We don't have the technology to really do things together. Each person in Debbie 2000 will take 10 or 15 minutes to present a song, a musical thing, a poem, a process they're going through. So it's a way to stay connected. We've even done art projects together, the Debbie 2000, draw an animal like your three project, (laughs) like you're a Mm three-year-old, which has been really fun. So we're trying to cope with this um, technology and figure it out. And, you know, I feel like a baby with it, hoping that I can better use the technology and that it better it can better serve our needs as a community. You know, I feel like a, a baby. What, what kind of positive uh, changes do you think that this quarantine era has uh, afforded? Like, what, what, is there anything that you can point to that you feel like is somehow being birthed? I feel people don't take things so, so much for granted anymore. Mm-hmm. And I feel like relationships have become more precious. Time, even though it seems like it's kind of floaty or maybe un, more unregulated, depending on where you're at. Some people are working more than they've ever worked and some people aren't quite working up to par. But for myself, I feel after a moment of feeling despondent, I feel more creative. Um, I'm hoping other people feel more creative. I feel connected to um, people in places that I, I probably didn't have access to in real time or real life. So I can um, sit in on somebody's yoga class who lives on the West Coast or um, hang out with somebody who's singing songs from Ireland, you know, people who are part of my extended family. 
I think that's valuable. Yeah, more home-cooked meals, more paying attention to nature. Mm-hmm. Simple, simple things. So, so what's the what's the future of Debbie Two Thousand? Do you think, or like, where where are you? Do you have a plan? Where are you headed? <laughs> you know, I love just releasing this uh, Planet Love Volume One, and would like to celebrate it. Not sure how that will happen. I like the music so much. I want to figure out, and I'm not sure how to do this, how to have the maximum amount of people listen to the record because I I feel like there's a lot of love in the record and it's uplifting. So that's part of my my plan, still figuring that out. And I really want to have a socially distanced dance party and just play the record in the park with big speakers Mm. and have everybody just move and groove. I love that. I love that. I don't see why not. I mean, actually, I'm surprised more of that kind of thing isn't happening right now, to be honest. We can move around. We can be outside. We can listen to music. We can do all those things. I'll keep you posted, Paul. Let's, let's make it happen. Absolutely, man. I'm definitely, I'm definitely <laughs> grooving along with the Planet Love Volume 1. <laughs> Um, so, so, and then what about, uh, you know, volume two, part two, what is the, what's the planet love next, uh, next thing? What's that looking like? Um, probably early fall release. Hmm. The music is recorded. I'm really excited to share it. Tweaking a few things. Um, it's another cool thing. It's got some wicked, um, classical Hindustani violin played with a delay along with like some mega rock drums. Like think about that combination and, um, you know, just some really beautiful heartfelt songs. So looking forward to getting that out there. Volume two. I'll keep you posted on that as well. Please. I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really, right now, I'm just really diving into volume one and, and just really grooving to it. I've got it on my big stereo speaker here in my apartment. So it's been, uh, it's been really fun to listen to. And uh, I can't wait to, uh, to hear volume two and all the, all the things that, uh, that you're doing, which so much of it is amazing. And I have uh, uh, so much respect for, all the work that you've done and just your, your approach to life is, uh, is inspiring. So I really appreciate that, Debbie. Thank you, Paul. All right. Well, um, anything else that, uh, that you want to share before we, uh, before we wrap it up? I, I'm really um, happy to be here and I really like connecting with you. You know, it was fun when you lived in Evanston and we would see each other a little more often so oh, this, this is a really great touchstone. And I just want to let everyone know that Paul is also a wonderful musician and songwriter and singer. And, you know, I applaud you and I appreciate you. Thank you, Debbie. Well, maybe one day we, we can jam. <laughs> I like that. I would love Thumbs that. up. <laughs> that would be super fun. That would be super fun. Okay. All right. Well, Thank you again for, uh, for joining us here, Debbie, and uh, I wish you all the best. Namaste. Namaste.